Welcome to AEC Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Jared. I'm Laura. And Laura, welcome back for this year. Thanks. Yay. Round of applause that listeners can imagine because I don't know which button that is and if it's recording on my soundboard or not. Oh, just try and you don't it. want to hit the rim shot to make it a joke. Right. <laughs> it can be a I joke. Think, I think the other one's the sad noise. You know what? Let's find out. Yeah, hit all the buttons. There you go. That's the other noise that we have recorded. Welcome back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, um, this week we decided to talk about clones for our main subject matter, or our not necessarily our main, our first subject matter to talk about, uh, because there's a lot of clones going on in Marvel right now, specifically within the dark web storyline that has Madeline Pryor and uh, Ben Riley. Yep. I say a lot. It's two of them, but they're all two of them. They're two of the three main villains in the story. So, so aren't all of the X Men clones right now? From a certain point of view, absolutely. Because yeah. with the whole resurrection protocols and right. everything, their original bodies and everything are destroyed. They're yeah. like backup copies. Yeah. It. Yeah. So that, that, uh, first on the list is the X Men. So Jared, dive a little more into that. Uh, that's all I get. I haven't been reading it. <laughs> I just n- have known the filler from what you guys have told me. Uh, so I'll fill that in a little there you more. Go. Um, back in 2019, I think. Either 2019 is it 2019, 2020 is that whole bubbles all yeah. over. I think it was 2019 still though. Um, they relaunched the X Men with House and Powers of X. And within that, they did the resurrection protocols, where you found out that golden, gold, golden balls or gold balls, gold balls, uh, they're not just gold balls that he produces out of nothing. They're actually little eggs. And then him and some of the other mutants that are D-list, like their powers combined, they're called the resurrection team, and they can upload someone's consciousness to Cerebro. She automatically does a backup every however often when people die, or before they die, I should say. And then they can upload that consciousness into these eggs, and then it grows their bodies, and they're they're back. They're not dead anymore with their original memories, minus the time between their their update and when they died. So just to check, they're like not fertile eggs until they get the consciousness uploaded. Until they get the consciousness and other things. Like there's like three or four of them that are required to do this okay. resurrection thing. But yeah, I- they're just plain unfertilized eggs i guess that yeah. gold balls creates yeah i wanted to understand what took him so long to know they were eggs like where did he leave them that he didn't see them hatch but if it took more criteria then well and that like, checks out i think they just like they appear out of nowhere and then they just like burst like a bubble like more uh, bubbles than anything okay. before but they've since marvel science did away <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, oh, these are actually not just balls, they're actually eggs. And they can, with this, that, and the other combined, we can now resurrect everybody. So the big thing with that is in House of M, Wanda, at the end of it, said no more mutants. So a lot of people lost their mutant abilities. And if they didn't die between now and then, so they're still alive or any time in between, they can, all right, well, if you die in combat, a, a, a hero's death or whatever... <laughs> then we'll, we'll resurrect you with your original mutant abilities if you want them to. So a lot of mutants are coming back that were been dead for however many long, however long. Like, oh, well, they're back now with their full abilities because we can do this now. Now, the cynic in me says, no, the real reason is because Disney Marvel now owns Fox, Fox as well, which had the X-Men cinematic. So now, oh, they're no longer abandoning them. We can actually make more mutants again because yeah. we have this for everything else. They don't have to go with the inhuman route. Right. Uh, looking at you, Ms. Marvel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the 
in my belief, that's the real reason why they're bringing back all the mutants and X-Men stuff. Because it's like, okay, we can actually use these stories. And if we want to put them in the cinematic stuff, we can. We're not just giving another studio money. So, yeah. The X-Men, or all of mutantdom at a certain point, if they die, they can be clones. I don't know. It's a mess. So, so yeah. Uh, that was the first one on the list. Good job, Jared. There we go. Uh, and you did such a good job, Jared. I'm going to have you go ahead next and give me another example of some comic book clones. Okay. So this one didn't start out in the comics. It was in the novels, the Timothy Zahn novels of um, the uh, Thrawn trilogy, the original stuff. Um, they had cloned Luke Skywalker from the hand he lost uh, during his Darth Vader fight in uh, Cloud City. And uh, so later they transferred. They, you know, adapted this to comics, so it's still comics. <laughs> um, but uh, during the entire story arc, um, Mara Jade, who this is where she was introduced, kept hearing the Emperor's voice in her head saying, you will kill Luke Skywalker, you will kill Luke Skywalker, and it ends up she kills the clone of Luke Skywalker. So in essence, she did fulfill the Emperor's last command, which is one of the story titles. From a certain point of view, she did the job. Right. So um, I always, that was, the the original Throne trilogy is one of my favorite Star Wars uh, stories, if not the top of the list. Now, favorite non-cinematic wise or just favorite across the board? I think across the board. It was really good. If you haven't read it, uh, pick it up in comic form. They did a great job with the comics. It was a lot of fun. That's the first adaptation I had read of it and then went back and did audiobooks and stuff like that. I and think the comics only did like six issues for Thrawn. Um, it wasn't no, this, much. that was for the uh, newer uh, okay. Disney version. Uh, the original, Dark I Horse think version, they so. did, there was, um, they did, it was a trilogy of novels, the, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember. The Last Command. Uh, crap, I can't think of the other two offhand now. Google Your it. favorites. Google so, Yeah, them. they're my favorites, but I can't remember the names of them. Dang it, they're completely eluding me right now. Um, but uh, they did like three sets of six-issue miniseries for these, and uh, they were really good. So if they're available now, they'd probably be the Star Wars Legacies. Yeah, they'll be Legacies. Because be, yeah. that was when Dark Horse was publishing. Right. In Disney, they didn't even introduce Mara Jade or anything like that. So, yet. <laughs> so it's an Elseworld sort of Right. Sort pretty of much. Thing. But I uh, loved that story arc when they first did it or first came out or when I first read it. I don't know when I read it compared to when it came out. So <laughs> Well, remember that for later. We can look it up and see if it's in the Legacy stuff. We could possibly read it for one yeah, of there we go. Episodes. Yeah. Yep, that would be fun. See if it holds up. We'll do it with Adrian's here because he's all picky about Star Wars yeah. also. But uh, yeah, they cloned Luke Skywalker from his hand that he lost on uh, in Cloud City. And they actually had the clone Luke had the original or Anakin's lightsaber too. So it was a great story arc. All right. Uh, Laura, what's first on your list of clone stuffs? I wanted to look up Madeline Pryor because I'd been hearing... People on other podcasts talking about where the Spider-Man story was going right now. And I was really behind. And I was like, I don't know what's going on at all. And they don't either, which is kind of <laughs> sad for them, too. Because they're <laughs> reading it as it's coming out where they should know and everything. Yeah. Like, at least you're behind yeah. versus they're, they're in the stuff right now. Yeah. And they were like, we don't know anything about the X-Men. Like, they brought in this girl and no one knows who she is. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll Google Madeline Pryor and figure out who she is. But kind of no, because she's a lot of things. And 
She came, She actually first appeared in Uncanny X-Men 168 back in April of 1983. She's older than me. That's a feat. Mm. So that's why I got lost. Like, they started at the beginning on Wikipedia with her, and I was like, oh my gosh, so much happened to her. She has like 15 different names she goes by other than just Madeline Pryor. Anodyne. Um... What were the other ones like? The Red Queen, some other queen. She's a goblin queen. Like, that caught me, too. I was like, oh, she has something to do with Norman Osborn. Nope, nothing at all. She, I think the goblin queen is for Limbo. She's like, she's the empress of Limbo now, I think. Yep. Yeah, they said because she can, like, summon the goblins and get dark demons to do her bidding, that that makes her the goblin queen. Wait, Which works. Yeah, it works, but way to go, Marvel, of not being confusing at all, where we have Green Goblin, the the most iconic goblin, then possibly Hobgoblin. Now, Goblin Queen, you'd think, oh, it's with that. Well, yeah, nope. and then wasn't Was she there... mutant first? You said she appeared yes. in X-Men? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess I'm telling this out of order. But let me get one more thing in before I go into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was another Goblin Queen that was Ashley Kafka, like, a few issues ago, too. Or, I guess, I guess... Probably a year ago now. But it's like, so there are kind of two Goblin Queens in Spider-Man right now. And that's even more confusing. That's very messy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it turns out this lady, uh, the the theme is clones. She is a clone of Jean Grey. Oh, okay. I expected a bigger. (laughs) Okay. No, I was thinking, I thought Madeline Pryor had a, uh, what was the clone of Spider-Man? Ben Riley. Ben Riley. No, 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 the the female. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. I'm sorry. Of... I'm oh. thinking of a complete... That was um, Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew. Yep, yeah. I'm thinking of a completely different character. Okay. I forgot that she was a clone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Man, so. There's even more clones to talk about. There's I guess. so many clones. I, yeah. <laughs> so my mind went directly at Ultimate, but I'm like, 80s? Maybe I, that came from something else, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. Okay. Yeah, if, if I'm reading it right, too... Um, When I was going through this Wikipedia, I mentioned to Alex how I never had a high opinion of Scott Summers, and reading this made it even worse, because apparently, like, it was all a plot from Mr. Sinister to make Madeline Pryor, and he had decided or discovered somehow that if Scott and Gene, I think it was Gene, if they'd had a baby, then that baby would have, like, super awesome powers, and Mr. Sinister was like, I I feel like he's some sort of... Uh, biologist, like crazy mad scientist he guy is, who wants to yeah. like Wondergorian stuff. Yeah, he's very into genetics, uh, especially yeah. manipulating and then making the. But he's like the scientific version of Apocalypse, where Apocalypse is like, oh, survival of the fittest via you know nature. Whoever wins that, and Sinister's like, or we manufacture the greatest, yep. and that's where he like, oh, the same argument but different approaches with that. Yeah, nature versus nurture. Yeah, but yeah, so Mister Sinister got in his mind. That he wanted Scott Summers and Jean Grey's baby. And he's like, how should I go about this? What's the easiest way? I'll just make clones and trick them all and do all this stuff. And like, he made this super elaborate plot. And in the end, he made Madeline Pryor. And something happened to Jean Grey during this time frame. I think that the Phoenix Force she killed was, her she for was, a little while. Yeah, She's dead she at the dead, time. She was dead-ish. Yeah. So, and Scott didn't know that Madeline was a clone. He, yeah, he thought she he's was dumb. Well, he thought she was still Jean Grey. Like, he was calling her Jean still. Oh. From my understanding at the time. Like, he, okay, you are Jean. And then you find, I think they change it later. Like, oh, no. At some point, they did a body switch or whatever. And that's actually Madeline Pryor. 
Uh, oh. I think, if I remember that correctly, I don't, I'm not, the X-Men is very messed up, guys, with everything. Well, Wikipedia told a different story. Okay, so, I, could be, I uh, could be mistaken. Maybe then. they retconned it too. Or I he fell know. in love with her, and because uh, yeah, oh, he, you got you got my wife's body, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. Like actually, the way I read this was that um, they said that Madeline Pryor was Scott's first wife; that he married her before he married Jean. Jean, sorry, and. It could have. Yeah. If that's the case, I still think it was because he thought she was Jean. But I could uh, be mistaken. Yeah, according to this, like the first appearance, oh, I don't have the, there's another picture somewhere where she introduces herself as Madeline Pryor in her first appearance to Scott when he he gets lured to Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. See, she was a cargo pilot working for Scott's grandparents and they met during a family reunion. That, that's when you want to meet your wife or your, your future significant other at a family reunion. Yeah. Scott is disturbed by her striking resemblance to his dead lover, Jean Grey the Phoenix. Okay. Maybe that's just that. Either yep. way, he's got a thing for redheads. and Yep. Yeah. I I Don't can't believe all? that he... <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> good answer. Yeah. I just... I can't believe that he... Didn't notice more so, but anyways, and then as like the the article goes on and on about uh, Scott and Madeline, Scott like can't handle how much he looks like Jean, and he's still in love with Jean even though he's dead, and he treats Madeline like crap, and then leaves her like abandons her, and I think they did have they a baby. Do, they do um, have a baby. Cake. Cable? Is that right? Cable, yeah. Uh, Nathan okay. Summers. That's it. And that's kind of why Sinister wanted them together. Like, oh. Yeah, because he wanted that baby. He wanted the baby. Um, in the ultimate, the Age of Apocalypse storyline, they Sinister just made a straight up clone with both genetic material of oh. uh, Scott and Gene. That sounds so much easier. And instead of Nathan Summers, they called his name is Nathan Gray. They, he took Gene's last name for the clone for some reason. So, and Nathan Gray is X Man. Versus Nathan Summers as Cable. Okay. Yeah, the names are dumb. I always get mixed up. Okay, which one's Summers? Which one's Gray? I know once I know Cable is the son, but X Man is the yeah. It's it's dumb because they both have the same first name, just different last name, and just super right. annoying. But yeah. it, I digress. But yeah, so that's a little bit of the backstory to Madeline Pryor, and she. I think that she was so upset by Scott leaving her and treating her the way he did that she. Became evil. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Like, there's like 40 years of history here. So well, I, I got lost. But then eventually the- she's running limbo. Somehow runs into Ben Riley. The The first um, article I read somewhere else, one of the first sentences was, she and Ben Riley. Um, oh, wait, it is this one, right? They possess a mailbox in order to upset Spider-Man to defeat this demon and that's how they decide to team up. And I'm like, that really was the free comic book day issue. I went back yeah. and reread that. And I was like, wow, that that's a bonding experience. <laughs> it, it's, it is the dumbest thing. Like, <laughs> I get that sometimes comics, they, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adrian was complaining about when Jared and I were talking about Batman falling from Earth using the rocket boost. Adrian's like, really? Come on. Like, yes, that's dumb. But like the, the, the mailbox possession thing is, Extra levels of dumb at that point. Like, okay, (laughs) at least the rocket thing is plausible. Well, higher than likely, it's plausible. Versus, oh, we're bonding over a 
demon-possessing mailbox. What? Why? Why? Yep. And and that was Free Comic Day, which was in May. Dark Web didn't start till December. They, they're they taking way too long on some of these things. Like, okay, have the follow-up, like, the month afterwards, maybe. Yeah, because I completely had forgotten that it ever happened, that yeah. Chasm was a thing. Like, I still am missing where... Well, I think I got to the issue where Chasm becomes Chasm. When but. Ben Riley becomes Chasm, that was in the final issue of the Dan Slott Spider-Man's, Amazing Spider-Man story. Oh. Uh, I believe. I thought the Dan Slott was done a long time ago. Well, I mean. Did he just come back for this? Well, no. Dan Slott is back for the Spider-Man book, not the Amazing Spider-Man. So Dark Web is going on in the Amazing Spider-Man stuff, which is on issue 18, 19, I think came out recently. Oh. It was 17. 17. So 17 is when Amazing has been going on. So Dark Web has been the last like three or four issues okay. for that. But yeah, Chasm, it was, that was Dan, or Dan, Dan Harmon, Dan Slott's, uh, like when he ended with his Amazing Spider-Man run four or five months ago. He They did the whole thing with Ben where he turned evil and we never saw him again until the Dark Web stuff kicked off. I'm going to have to fact check this because I thought Dan Slott had been gone for a long time. Uh, just that 17 issues, I think, for Amazing okay. Spider-Man, I think. Okay. Or whoever was doing the Amazing Spider-Man before this. But I thought Nick it was... Nick Spencer. Was Spencer doing all before the Dark Web stuff, or is that with this current run? I don't know. But it was. I know that was like the previous for run of Spider-Man before this new series started. It, the final issue was Ben Riley turned into Chasm. You're like, all right, in the end, next up... John Armita Jr. art. <clears throat> but yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, yep, who's next? I don't. Next on my list is Ragnarok. Uh, specifically, and just if, in case you don't know who that is, which most of you probably don't, and I forgot until I read read about him, uh, this was Thor's clone. That we his main thing, his main contribution in comic books was in the Civil War series, where they cloned Thor. But they cloned him, cybernetic roboted him, where they, where Tony was able to control him to kill. I think mm. he killed uh, the giant. The giant, um, 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 not Ant Man, Atlas. Maybe was that his could name? be. Um, I know uh, when he killed him, he was oversized, so they had to do an oversized grave. Black Goliath. That's his name. Yes, Goliath. Goliath. Well, the internet says Black Goliath. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure that's the thing. Uh, yeah, where he struck him like lightning bolt through, and like there's a big hole in his chest. And, I didn't yeah. know that that was ever Ragnarok. I always heard, I've heard of Ragnarok, but I never associated it with that version of Thor. Right. I didn't think that was the same one. I thought it was just a robotic yep. clone. That uh, they well, made. that's what it was. It was the robotic clone of Thor, where Tony was controlling it, and eventually lost control of. So when Thor actually came, because Thor was dead at the time, so yeah. they used like his hair and just like all right, robots. We'll clone him, and this way we can we still have his power, but we can control him even more so. Yay! And then he kind of went a little kind of ultrotty and went a little yeah. crazy and overdid it a little bit. Was that during Civil War, or did they just bring it up in Civil War, and they're like, remember when you did this crap? Tony? I believe that was like it the first happened. issue of Civil War. Like oh, the first okay. or second issue of Civil War. Yeah, where, happened early on. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he... End up killing someone, and they find out. Then shortly after the, they realized, oh, this wasn't actual Thor. This was a robot that you created. Mm-hmm. You just killed someone. Like, yeah, we're fighting, but we don't kill each other. So, like, we're you in prison? Like, that's right. what you do. 
And yeah, that was a point of contention for her. some of the people on Team Iron Man. They left the team like, no, no, you've gone too far, Tony. Yeah, and switched over to Steve's team. Um, but yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't know if he's done anything else, but that's the only thing I can think of. Like, oh, that's what he was famous for was that one point. The end. Because <laughs> yeah. shortly after that, they resurrected Thor. He was fine. Like, oh, I was dead. Only a little dead. We're fine. I'm back. So that is the story of Ragnarok, the robot, not the not the Norse event of Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, Jared, what's next on your list? Uh, Superboy. I think it's hard not to mention clones without mentioning Superboy. Connor Kent, Connell, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he appear, first appeared in the 90s when they killed, quote, killed superman from doomsday and they had the uh four different versions of superman battling to war who's the real superman in metropolis and then clark comes back so but uh they brought a superboy and he was a long-standing character always uh he was in a young justice and then when they when jeff johns did the teen titans in 2001 two right around early 2000s um they actually uh said that he was a clone half well all along he was half uh kryptonian half human but then they delve the titans uh delve into who's the human uh donor and it turns out to be lex luther so he is cloned from superman and lex luther half and half um he does go a little crazy from some programming that luther had instilled in him but uh he was able to break it and is you know a titan through and through and they've done other things but he's not as much of a front player right now as um jonathan kent who is now the super new superman he was superboy for a little while uh but is connor in the rebirth stuff i think so i I haven't seen him a whole lot but i think i've seen him here and there maybe in titans could be yeah but um, I always liked Connor Kent. His run, see, he was like Infinite Crisis. They had actually killed him, and then he was resurrected. You know, in his comics do. He was the one with the leather jacket, right? Yes. Yep. But then uh, in the Titans, he just had the black T-shirt with the red Superman logo, and um, his Titan story arc from Jeff Johns was phenomenal. It was really good. They did a really good job with his stuff, and then they killed him. <laughs> I uh, I do like that he was you said clone of Superman and uh, Lex, Lex Luthor. Luthor. That reminds uh, whenever I hear that combination, I always think of Batman versus Superman with the whole doomsday that they created with that. Yeah. Like, oh, that was so awful. Yeah, I'd have to throw that out. That's still awful. Yeah, and, that was bad. And technically, Doomsday is a clock as a clone as well. Yep. Apparently, where he dies and like everyone, everyone's while like, okay, we'll resurrect him just because. Yeah. Like, he's a living weapon. We need to use him. Right. I know in one of the Batman Superman story arcs, uh, there, actually, I think it was in, uh, where they brought back Supergirl. Um, they had an army of doomsdays that were just weak clones, you know, and they were basically a dis- distraction, but, you know, Superman just burns them all with his heat vision and destroys them. Like you do. Yep. Like you do. So, but yeah, Connor Kent. All right. Uh, Laura, who's next on your list? So I did so bad on Madeline. I didn't really make much of a list for the rest, um, but I, I just assumed that I should mention Ben Riley. obviously. Um, he's one of the biggest Spider-Man clones. So this is all going to be off the top of my head. Uh, but... Most, yeah, no- I- most notorious from the clone saga, I would say. Yeah, of- yeah I- 
He was like the first Spider-Man. Well, the first surviving. No, I shouldn't say first, that either. The first, the, first the, success, full successful clone. Yeah, I guess most successful because yeah. Kane was first, but he was mutilated. Right. So he didn't really look like Spider-Man enough to do the uh, job that the Jackal intended. Uh, the Jackal was a character from Spider-Man. He was originally one of Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy's professors at school. Um, Professor Miles Warren, which always confuses me when people talk about Miles. Every once in a while, I'm still like, "What, My- Miles Warren?" And the Jackal? They, they mean Miles Morales, like the good Spider-Man, like or one of the good Spider-Man, the but, good Miles. Yeah, we'll say the, the good, good Miles. Miles. Yeah, but uh, so, anyways, way back in again the '80s, when, when clones were a really big deal, it was like the the mid '80s, early '90s. That was a big time to. Double up on all your stuff, apparently. Double down. I think that was right around <laughs> the, when the sheep got cloned. Um, oh. oh, I should know her name. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. That, that one. My, that's my best Dolly. guess. Dolly. Dolly. Uh, no. Maybe that's not right. Polly? It's... Jared will look it up. But to me, it sounds <laughs> like that. I mean, that would be roughly around the same time where we actually did successful cloning. Like, hey, mm-hmm. so why not in comic books? We'll do more cloning, too. Dolly. It was Dolly. Good job. When he said Dolly, I I just immediately thought Dolly Parton. I was like, no. (laughs) I feel like it may have been named after Dolly Parton. Could have been. Makes sense. Yeah, I I don't know. Other random trivia. Oh, originally codenamed 6LL3, the clone lamb was named after singer and actress Dolly Parton. Win. Two for two. Good job. You win the no prize. Not just a hat rack, my friend, (laughs) as I point at my head, for those of you listening. I have had requests that we do this on YouTube, but I don't think I don't, it's a good idea. I don't think. <laughs> I, no. Um, the better chance would be Twitch. I know Adam has mentioned he wants to like, oh, you should do Twitch because they do it for theirs as well. I'm like, um, our internet's not good enough for that. And oh. I struggle bus enough already doing this part. I don't need to add in a visual element to. And yeah. yeah, most people don't bother to edit their visual stuff. It's just live and it is what it is. Well, I mean, like, but still editing everything else and like, having the cameras set up properly and worrying about, worrying about bandwidth and then, hey, looking at live chat and versus conversing. I like this one. It's more self-controlled. Sorry. Um, the Star Wars books from earlier, I just thought of the titles. It's uh, Dark Force Rising and uh, Emperor's... <laughs> oh, you missed it. Up. Oh, crap. You were too arrogant saying I you was, got them. I got one of them. You got one of them. I'm not looking it up. I will remember it. Okay. Oh, then I won't look it up either. Because I had looked it. it up and I was going to tell you then, but I was Stark like, Dark Force Rising, The Last Command, and it's the first one. Star Wars, the first one. Yes, the first one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ben sorry. Riley and the Clone <laughs> yeah. Saga. Yeah, so um, even before Ben Riley, Miles Warren was obsessed with Gwen Stacy, who was Peter Parker's girlfriend at the time, and he was super jealous. Jerry just and, remembered the third one. Yeah. What is it what real is quick? It? Heir to the Empire. There you yeah. go. I read it like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot. That's okay. Um, but so I forget exactly why other than Miles was jealous of Peter's life and he wanted Gwen Stacy for himself and all this stuff. So he decided to at least clone Gwen. But I think he was cloning Peter just to mess with him too and like make him think he was crazy so that he villain's going to do villainous yeah. things that's yeah. why yeah I, I don't ever even remember like really why miles wanted a peter parker clone maybe but, to you 
try to manipulate to break up with the real Gwen Stacy. So they could do like, oh, I'll do a double switch sort of thing. Maybe. I don't know. So he was a pedophile. I mean, she could have been 18. Well, he, she she was definitely 18, but okay. he was old enough to be her dad, I think. He wasn't a pedophile. He was just super creepy. Yeah, he might have been very a close. younger professor. But Either way, it's no. very creepy to like, oh, yeah. I love my student and I'm going to clone you. Well, I mean, well, that then, just makes perfect sense. I guess at that point he is a pedophile because the clone is only like a week old. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah that's the technicality. Freak. Technically, he never did anything. He was, he just. The intent is there, though. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's that's guilty enough. Like, it's like yeah. attempted murder. He's an attempted yeah. pedophile at that point. Okay. But yeah, he, he made all these clones, but I don't think he was ever very successful with any of them. And he ended up. Like, luring Spider-Man, like, the the real Peter Parker Spider-Man, because that's... Oh, that was part of it. Like, he he was cloning Spider-Man and then learned that it was Peter Parker because when he cloned him, he didn't have a mask on. And he's like, oh, I know this kid. Oh, my gosh. How convenient. Yeah. And so, yeah, then he ended up trying to lure Spider-Man into all these traps with the other clones. There's another clone, too, that was even worse off than Kane. And that's more plausible than Batman landing from outer space just fine. <laughs> exactly. Spider-Man's got the science down. We're using science in quotations for all right. of this conversation. I mean, Let's be clear. This guy got the powers of a spider. It's... And, and, and cloning versus artificially aging up as well. To, like, that's yeah. a yeah. whole other... And then the technology to survive a fall from space. Yeah, because like, Jared, I can clone you, but it won't be another exact same copy as you. No, right. it'd be a very younger version. Make me taller. <laughs> Well, then it wouldn't be a clone. At least it wouldn't be a perfect clone then. Yeah, Yeah. I'm good with that. (laughs) It'd still be someone else. You still wouldn't live that life. So sorry, buddy. No, but they'd have a chance. There you go. All all the memory stuff is weird, too. Life finds a way. That's right. Uh, But yeah, that's (laughs) the quick and dirty version. The problem with the whole clone song and everything is it went on for way too long. Like, okay, which one's the real one? Now, Ben's the real Peter, but Peter's the real Ben. Like, uh... Yeah, that's good to mention in the current dark web stuff, part of why Ben is doing everything is he wants his life and his memories back. And I think something was erased here, too. Um, But I'm not 100%. I almost think that the Beyond Corporation told him they erased something, whether they did or not, because he doesn't remember. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. So I think they just planted that to make him go crazy. Well, because that was at the end of the previous Spider-Man run where, like, he, Peter Parker was in the hospital. So okay, well here somehow Beyond found out Ben Riley's. Oh, you're you can be Spider Man too, and we'll copyright you the name Spider Man and yada yada yada, which is weird. But when that whole thing came crumbling down, that's when he had like extra brain trauma or something and lost some memory. And like, oh well, it must have been all I remember is you, Peter Parker. So it must be your fault that I lost everything. So you took this all away from me. And Peter's like, um, no, no you're. <laughs> You're too crazy to know that you're crazy, my dude. Like, calm down. I want to help you. But you took this away from me. But uh, you can't argue with that kind of crazy. I also love how, like, there's the Parker luck. And Peter Parker's life isn't super glamorous. And yet Ben Riley's fighting for it. He's like, I want your pile of crap. Like, give it to me. That's more than what he has in his own memory, though. So, but yeah. It, yeah I'm his... not a super fan of the current Spider-Man story with the dark web stuff. I'll just put it that way. 
Yeah, where? I need to get caught up so I can find out where my fandom lies. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find out, if you can figure out better than I can, because it's there's a good chance. No offense. No, that's that's fine. Well, especially <laughs> if you read, sit and binge it, it might make sense. Yeah. Versus reading it, you know, month to month, it's like, wait, what? And I'm and I admit I'm not reading all the tie-ins because there's just too much. And yeah, I, don't, I think I'm missing them too. I don't care about some of them. Like, I don't care about the X Men tie-in. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped reading the X Men stuff. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't and care about the. That's Venom why st- you don't know Madeline Pryor. I don't. I don't care about the. <laughs> I don't care about Venom stuff. So I don't care about. So like three, two of the three elements of this whole dark web thing, I don't care about. I'm not up to date on. So like, uh, not reading X Men. Not reading Venom. I'm reading Spider Man. So yay. I think you're reading Spider Man for me though. I feel like you don't really care about that either. I mean, <laughs> just throwing it out there. I care about it enough that I want to know. I want to know if I can know what's going on. How about that? That and you've always told me if there, like, if, if there's been a good Spider-Man story arc, you've told me. Well, especially you know every once in a while, read them one shot. Like, oh, yeah. this is the this is the shining diamond in the pile of poop of everything else, sort of thing. So, but it's just it's not for me. I know some people have been digging it, just not me. Um. So yeah. Uh. Sorry. Do we, anything else on Ben Riley that we want to mention? Ben Riley slash slash Kane slash Miles. Is that Scarlet oh, okay. Spider? Uh, uh. Sometimes. Ben Riley. Okay. Ben Riley is the one that's most known for being Scarlet Spider. Okay. Yeah. But for a little while there, I actually liked the run where Kane was the Scarlet Spider better. When he was down in Texas too, I mm-hmm. believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was actually a really good story. Wasn't he had a whole new costume. Riley Kane? Is, it wasn't Ben Riley Kane also? No, no there's a third clones. clone. Yeah, okay. There's at least a third clone. Right, yeah. I think there's a spider side too who was even more mangled than Kane. And he's really mangled. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole bunch That's of That's convoluted pretty good. Yeah. And most of the three brothers of brothers of Peter, Ben, and Kane. Okay. Yeah. They've yeah. all reconciled on one way or another. Gotcha. Eh. They, they, Eventually. They go in and out. Yeah. I guess they are really like brothers because they fight really hard and then they're really close. Like they're they're like family, but then like when they're fighting, they're fighting. Like yeah, for a little while, Kane was uh, the Scarlet Spider. He had his own because the regular Scarlet Spider would always be Spider Man suit with a blue hoodie. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, which I always like that costume. Right. But that was a great costume. There's not a whole lot to that yeah. to differentiate from right from Peter. But when Kane took over, it like. Its own special costume yeah. at that point. Yeah, it was a yep. black and red costume then. I if think I that's did what a, my hoodie is actually of the yeah. Kane Scarlet Spider. I was gonna say if I did a Spider Man costume, it would be Ben Riley's or that version with the hoodie see, and stuff. See, I'll go Spider Man Noir just because. Oh yeah, that'd be great. It'd be cool, it, but probably very warm because it's all black. Yeah. But either way. Yeah. Uh, one, okay, I'll let it go. One other thing with the, that <laughs> series is most they did a recent clone saga a couple years ago where mm. uh miles Warren, he found out he had cloned himself a million times too and then ben took over as the jackal right mm-hmm. yeah i was trying to find information on that today too and like it, it stinks that i'm trying to go through marvel unlimited and i can't technology well like i miss i need to find my hard copy books and just flip through because it's so much faster for me to do that but yeah um there was a bunch of trauma then that I wonder if they should be referring to where Ben was cloned and killed and brought back. And every time he died, he still remembered his death because of the way he was being brought back. So he had like 27 memories of horrible deaths at Miles Warren's hands. And he was saying that's why he was so messed up and that Peter owed him a better life because he'd had to go through all this because of Peter and yada yada. So yeah, Ben Ben's had... 
a rough lives. <laughs> I like that. A rough lives. It doesn't make sense, but it does. It, it's the right English in that, that mm-hmm. instance. Uh, the last one on my list that I want to mostly talk about uh, isn't technically a clone anymore. Uh, X23. Mm. Uh, yeah. When she was first introduced, she was the, the clone of Wolverine. Um, uh, her name is, I think, Laura Boy. Kenny. Yep. Uh, is her regular name, where they took uh, Wolverine's DNA, but instead of the X and Y gene, they just took his X gene, oh. and mutated it in the way that X and X is a female DNA. So that's why his clone is female and he is male. Um, she has two claws coming out of her hands, just like Wolverine does, but the third claw comes out of her foot, which is a cool foot stabby blade. Um, I, I I remember her reading her mostly in the X Force books because uh, for a while the what the Weapon X program that created her, if they released a certain pheromone, it would put, it'd trigger her berserk mode and just kill everything nearby. Which at one point they end up using to make her kill her own mom, and she has that trauma. Um, I say she's technically a clone, but not really because in the last couple of years they revealed, oh, she's not actually a clone. She is actually Wolverine's daughter. Um, now she has, she herself has had several clones. Um, I think Gabby is one of the names. And then there's like two or three, two or three other ones that have died since then, but there's only one current sister clone that is still alive. It says on Wikipedia that the character was written for the X-Men evolution TV series in 2003 before debuting in the comics. Oh, I didn't know that. When you mentioned her mom, was that Lady Deathstrike? Did they say no. who her mom is? Um, I forget who it was. You might be able to find it on Wikipedia, Wikipedia um, there. But it was just a scientist, a generic scientist, as far as I can tell. That was a scientist. That was with, I know it was with the Weapon X program. Yeah. Okay. The one of many times resurrected Weapon X program. Uh, yeah, another thing to throw out there in the middle of all this, um, I looked through the previews quick and saw a picture of X-23. So soon there's going to be Deadly Regenesis number one, is uh, is Laura being brought back into the comics for her own thing. There you go. Uh, and for a little while when Logan was dead, she actually became Wolverine. She took up the mantle of Wolverine. She was the all-new Wolverine when Marvel's done all about the all-new whatever names. Uh, but since then, Wolverine's come back, Logan's come back, and she's retaken the name X-23 instead of having two Wolverines running around. Yeah, so, makes more sense. Uh, I liked it better when she was the clone rather than the daughter. I, I mean, thought there was a more compelling story than effect- just... I mean, it's effectively the same Yeah, thing. I mean, it really is. Matter. It really is. But I, I just liked that initial story arc. Um, I think that story was... Um, Oh, with the pheromones where they were using her as an assassin. Mm-hmm. That was a really good story arc. I can't think of what that story arc was what, um, titled. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know if I saw it. But, yeah. but uh, uh, Well, and if you listeners are not familiar with her, you may have recognized the character in the movie Logan, mm-hmm. where they actually named her as Wolverine's daughter in that instead of clone. Like, uh, in the comics, though, she's the clone. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they retconned it where, nope, she's actually the daughter. So that's right. fine. Uh, so yeah, uh, um, any other quick clones you guys can think of? Um, just we don't need a whole lot of detail, just something that's worth mentioning. Uh, for me, Bizarro, he's clone Superman. Yep. Depending on what well, version, depending on, yeah, which version of Bizarro. Sometimes dimension or, right. yeah. Um, we already talked to Superboy. 
Doomsday briefly. I'm just going scrolling through. Yeah, this. Lex Luthor was cloned, but I don't know much about that story arc. Kid Apocalypse. I remember reading that. I think that was in the Wolverine, the X-Men series, when Wolverine was the headmaster of the school. Mayhem. Mayhem? Mayday Parker's clone. April also. Which, of course, April and May. Mm-hmm. They had to stick with that naming. Um, Yeah, I, I think those are the big ones. That yeah. There's been a bunch. There's some yeah. more successful than others, though. Mm-hmm. But that's our deal with clones. Uh, so moving on, let's talk about books that came out this week, Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. 1-1-2-3. Um, honestly, there, this is a really light week, folks. Yeah, I've got two books. Um, I'm just going to pick one book to talk about because yeah. it's it's been a pretty light week. Um, I'll go first since I went to last last time. Uh, my pick of the week is The Ones, issue number three by Brian Michael Bendis. I think I've talked, I know I talked about when issue one came out. I don't know if I talked about when issue two came out too, if that was my pick that week either. But this is more of where there's a group of people that were the ones, quote is the name of the group, that they were, they saved the world one way or another. And they have come together. It's their job to defeat Satan. It's the birth of Satan and he's going to take over the world and kill everything. And it's up to them to be the, the chosen ones to stop him. Uh, but in this issue, we actually get to meet baby Satan, which he got tired of being a baby after about a year. Like, all right, I've had enough, you know, pooping on people. Because he even specifically said, yeah, I, I knew who I was. I knew full consciousness. But I had fun tormenting people, like pooping on this and peeing on that and, like, getting away with baby stuff just because I could. But I got bored with that, so I aged up to Now he's, like, eight or nine, even though it's only a year older. It's ridiculous, but the humor on it is very fun. Um, I really enjoy it, especially some of the teams, some of the teammates, there's the superhero that like, oh, she's going to take charge. And she kind of reminds me of Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Like, oh, I'm the leader and you should listen to me because I have superpowers. Then there's like a Buffy person that kills vampires and stuff. There's this old grizzled guy that just wants to, he's the barbarian of the group with a big old magical sword. He just wants to murder (laughs) stuff. Uh, It's just ridiculous and it's fun. I think it's only a four or five, possibly six issue miniseries. Um, but it's a fun story. I enjoy it. Um, it's worth checking out, especially I would definitely recommend it when it comes out in trade at this point. Yeah, and Bendis is a good writer. Yeah, he mm-hmm. does. Spider-Man. He mm-hmm. has, has been, he can be very hit or miss. Yes. But his independent stuff is usually pretty solid. Yeah. Because overall, he can do whatever he wants with it. Right. Overall, I think he's been pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that is The Ones, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis. And looks like art is by Jacob Edgar. At least that's the na- second name credited, so I'm going to guess that's the artist. Or no, it's created by Bendis and Edgar. The colors and letters are by different people. Colors by K.J. Diaz. Letters by Joshua Reed. And yeah, so that is The Ones. I enjoy it. Definitely worth checking out. Who wants to go next for their book of the week? Jared does. I okay. tell. <laughs> I'll go next. Uh, my pick of the week is going to be uh, DC Universe Lazarus Planet Alpha. Um, this is the prelude to the actual series that's coming out with the Lazarus Planet. Or series is. Series is, yeah. Series plural. Yeah, there it's we go. It's a whole planet. Um, they've got a bunch of names on the cover. Uh, first one that's listed is Mark Wade. I think um, he's the head yeah, puppeteer of this. There's Yang. Uh, Federici? I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, Tan, Anderson, and Chang. 
So there's a bunch of names on the cover. I couldn't tell you who does what, does what because I didn't look that far into it. But uh, this is a good... Uh, it's an alpha. It's a prelude. Uh, it does start bringing your characters together. So uh, I'm not going to give too much away. The ending was surprising. Um, I think this is going to be a really good series going forward from this. And this is the kickoff where everything will spread out from yes. this, correct? Right, yep. Uh, something happened right before this that I think I missed something because that Batman's a, injured. That was the, What happened before this was in Batman versus Robin That's what four. I thought. And they're I'm doing Batman versus go... Robin 4. They came out in December. They're taking January off and then they're going to do the conclusion in issue 5 Okay. February. And so this is like in between this. Okay. I was wondering if I missed something in like the main Batman story. But I'm like, he's fighting or he's uh, off on another play, uh, universe right now with their universe hopping stuff in the latest Batman issue. Uh, right. So, I believe so I'm like, wait, what What happened between this? What did I miss? Issue so, 4, I believe, is, has a picture of Batman with Dr. Fate's helmet on the cover. Yes. So that's what, that was what right before this, okay. basically. So yeah, I'm going to have to go back and read that, I think, because I, I missed that. But uh, yeah, what, uh, I'm not even going to go into the villains in this, so. But there's, there's a lot here. If yeah. you're interested in the Lazarus plan at all, this is definitely where you need to start. Right. And there is a backup story that I have not read yet. Um, it's dealing, it's got, uh, uh, the monkey king and monkey prince, your monkey prince. Yeah. And, uh, I have not read it yet, but the art looks good and I'll be checking. I'll finish reading that later tonight, probably. So. Now, when I think of Lazarus, I always think of Ra's al Ghul. Is yes. he yes. a yep. big character in this too? Well, uh, no, but it's the okay. Lazarus piss that were resurrecting him whenever he would die or almost yes. die. It's basically, okay. it looks like a Lazarus volcanoes erupting type mm -hmm. of situation. Yep. So. At least that's what happened in Batman vs. Robin, right. issue number four. Yeah, and this is the dealing with the fallout from that. The, uh, the, the, lava the, the eruption of that. How about yes. that? This there you is go. dealing with the eruption yeah. of that. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, it's worth checking out if you're interested in the Lazarus planet. Um, it, it, it is an oversized bit, bit so there is a good quality content there. All right. Uh, Laura, what is your pick of the week this week? Or, or at least book you want to talk about this week. Yeah, because I think my pick should be Spider-Man because Spider-Man. But I read, well, I guess I read Spider-Man as well, but I read Black Cloak just to not only read Spider-Man. And it was pretty much the only number one in the stack that we brought home this week. Uh, Yeah. And I usually focus on number ones because they're easier jumping on points for people. And I figured you'd talk about those other ones that were threes and fours and whatnot. But anyways, I, I picked Black Cloak. And I thought it was interesting. I know you said you struggled a little bit, but I can tell like this was very thick on characters. A lot of times when I take notes, I just write the character names and then I might like fill in a little information about them later. I have an entire page of just character names. Like that's how many people that's were introduced that's in this book. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And I admit it is a little thicker. And since it's the first issue, I, I do think that they wanted to build a lot of people. And it, it starts out, I feel like the main character is Detective Phaedra Essex, and she's investigating a murder um, of royalty, too. Uh, there's definitely a lot more going on about the royal family. People who are associated with royalty have these tattoos on their arms, and they, they must have some significance because she was, like, comparing her tattoo with his... Um, and yeah, I, I didn't quite figure out where they were going with that, but it, it looked like they were supposed to match up somehow. I don't know. But I am I am curious where this could go. I, I don't know if I'll stick with it or not. We'll see. We'll see. 
Um, but it was it was interesting. It had good art. Like it it was a little tough because it was, but it was interesting in how they, when people were really far away and they dumbed down their features, it it was interesting how they kind of made them washed out and watered down. And I don't know if that was also because like mermaids are a big character presence in this book too. So, so is it like a magical world or is it yeah, more? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Sorry, I guess I should have started with pretty sure there's magic going on. So it's like um, a fantasy detective-y sort of thing. This yeah. is investigating murder. Yep. The back of it says Team Plus Sci-Fi Fantasy from Image Comics. Kind of um, reminds me of like a, not story arc or anything like that, but like a Game of Thrones where like the first time I ever watched Game of Thrones, it was like. I couldn't tell who was Hill who at first because there was just so many characters thrown at right. you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, royalties involved. Storylines so, A, B, C, and D. Right. So then, then they converge and disperse and stuff like that. So Yeah, I mean, kind of like they they also make their own slang. Like, obviously, they've got dialects, vernacular, different different ways of speaking. So when they wanted something done really fast, they're like, get hasty. Make it hasty. And I'm like, well, that makes sense, but it's not something I'm commonly used to having as a phrase. So I I, I think it'll be interesting. And I've I've heard of Kelly Thompson before as the main writer. She's a big name at Marvel. I googled that she actually wrote some Nancy Drew stuff, too. For a minute, I thought it was the series that I'd gotten a couple years ago, but it's not. It's a whole nother Nancy Drew comic, so I thought that was a little interesting as a side note about Kelly. But yeah, so if you want uh, a sci-fi fantasy detective story about murder, go pick up Black Cloak and see if see if it does it for you. But get ready to to figure out a lot about a lot of people. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. Um, I, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, let me flip through that. That doesn't sound too bad. Uh, okay, I remember. I was like, I know her name from something. She wrote Hawkeye for a little bit. That followed mm. Kate Bishop as well. Oh yeah, I think somewhere it said that Kate's her favorite. I don't think I don't think it was the Hawkeye one we read for the podcast, the Matt Fraction version. Yeah, because uh, that's the Matt Fraction version. Well, but they changed stories in between. I think she mm. she might have taken over when Kate went off into Hollywood while Hawk while Clint was still in New York. I'm not sure, but okay. I know she wrote him or she wrote them. Wrote Kate Bishop after that series, at least, and I think she did some of the Young Avengers stuff too, and. A whole bunch of other things. But yeah, it is definitely a name that I recognized. Uh, Wikipedia says her notable work is Hawkeye, Jessica Jones, Captain Marvel, Rogue and Gambit, and X-Men. So those are definitely a lot of Marvel properties that she's worked with. Yeah, totally yeah. So. art's uh, actually not bad in that. Um, as many characters as you, you were talking about, I was just flipping through, and you can actually, there's some continuity and some differences to the actual art instead of you know the same facial profile on each character you know mm-hmm. so you can actually tell who's who yeah so it's definitely you, good to have with that yeah, many characters right yeah, so there were only a couple places i was like wait who's talking now and usually it was like the speech bubbles off the side mm-hmm. and you don't you really don't know but you have to assume a little bit and there were some interesting angles like one of the characters has wings and he jumps out a window and the the shot is from underneath so at first i didn't realize that he had wings so when the shots from underneath, I'm like, well, what am I looking at? Okay, it's these legs that are kind of spread out and then wings coming out from above. And it just, it took me a second to figure that one out. It was, it was unique. Yep. Hmm. All right. 
Uh, so with that, we'll move on to the next segment of the podcast, which is the book club book. Uh, we're talking about Star Wars, Boba Fett, Blood Ties. It's part of the Legend series, meaning it was originally published by Marvel. It was by Dark Horse, I believe. And then they got the rights back, and now it's not canon technically, but we'll see what happens if they do eventually. Uh, if you don't want spoilers on this, and we'll get ready for next week. Jared, what book are we reading next week for the podcast? It is... Um, not stretching for time. Spawn Origins. Spawn Origins. Volume one. Volume one. So that, yeah, uh, that's what we're reading next week. Is the especially since Batman Spawn is taking, they had that issue come out recently. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for that. I've never really read anything Spawn. I've never read Spawn um, either. So we'll see if Adrian chose wisely or poorly. Yeah. picking that book for next week. Yep. If he chose poorly, though, we will let him know, and we will let you, the listener, know too. But we'll see how it goes. It's been going on. For how long now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a pretty good following, too. And yeah. Spawn Origins is something that I see collected at multiple comic book shops. So it's it has to be have some popularity for, to it. Right. So. Should uh, we compare it to the movie, too? Uh, we could. Maybe if we can find the movie anywhere. Oh, I always forget that part. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, Star Wars both at Blood Ties. I'll be honest, I did not have time to read all this, but I read a good chunk of it. I would say... The main portion. The main portion of it, yeah. So, my issue with this off the bat was, it's called Star Wars Blood Ties, or Boba Fett Blood Ties, but only about half of it to... Yeah, about half of it. Two-thirds, maybe. I I wouldn't say not even that. I would say half to... Five-eighths. Five-eighths of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good fraction. Was actually the Blood Ties story, uh, which was written by Tom Taylor. Yeah, I didn't catch that at first. I didn't catch it either until Laura's like, did you pick this because Tom Taylor wrote it? I was like, no, I picked it because it, it was the only thing on clones we had in the store. And it just happened to work out that way. Uh, but the first half, for me, the part that I really enjoyed, I love the art on this book. Yes. It, um, it reminds me of like Alex Ross, yeah. sort of, where it uh, definitely looks like painting. Painting, yeah. That's why I didn't yep. like it. Uh, well, <laughs> you're allowed to be wrong on that one. And the yep. characters look like the actors. Right. The the character that looks like, or the character, or both that looks like the actor. Yeah. I, I don't know his real name. Um, I don't know Tamaru if I Morrison's the adult. The kid is, I can't think of his name yeah. either. But it looks like him and the writing, the writing was good. But it's Tom Taylor. So. Right. Um. So yeah, uh, first impressions. Uh, well, look, before we get to the Tom Taylor part, there was with the with the art that I really like. There was a story before that. Yes. Uh, Laura, what was your take on that very opening story? Um, I I was almost confused, but I it, it, I feel like it was meant to be guarded. Like, oh, we can give spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what we're talking oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. Um. See, it was called Outbid, but never outgunned, and I got a kick out of the the main city they tracked people down to, uh, I guess I should start with. Boba was looking for, like, a holographic cube that had a picture of something that he didn't want getting into the wrong hands, and as he's trying to track this thing down, we find out another person, Sintas Vel, I think it was, I forget her last name, I'm sorry, but she was also looking for it. And we don't find out until later that it's because the holocube is a picture of Boba and her with their child. 
And I was like, oh, Boba's a daddy. Did not know that. But where he tracks them down to when he finds this cube is called the City Bitamount. And, like, everything there is... You can bid on everything. Like, you're trying to be the highest winner and get get everything. And the, I, I was trying to decide if Bitamount was a joke. On I, I would say yes. Okay. Uh, so the, the tag <laughs> says, The City of Bitamount, where anything and everything is up for auction. If you want a drink, you bid for it. If you want a meal, you bid again. You You want to live... You bid for that as well. Like mm-hmm. it's everything is everything's for sale in this in this place. Yeah, it, the first that first story to me, it was a little off putting because I'm like, why did we just see that going into Django and like so issue, that ends and the next issue is young Boba with Django right. t- teaching. Yeah, I was I was the same with you. I was like, this is a hard turn. Right. Like, why? But then once that main story right. went going on, like, oh, that's... It wraps it back up. It's just kind of explaining who who Sintas is. Right. And the child. Yeah. So I really liked it from that aspect. Yeah, I felt like this was a bunch of stories that had come out over time and then were thrown together to make this. Almost, yeah. Especially when it's different writers and different artists in between. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, this seems a little duct tape together sort of thing but they did a good job duct taping it they really you know wrapped it around the duct tape around it really well (laughs) it's like when you wrap a christmas present and you get that line up just right so that the repeating pattern right works well and like the main story the main two stories that are in here are star wars uh blood ties one through four which Okay, and then Star Wars Blood Ties, Boba Fett is that Okay, well, at least that way, Blood Ties is the main story that everything else is, like, that, the Boba Fett that that's the part two sort of thing. Right. Like, that makes sense. And then after that, it's like, oh, well, then we have Star Wars Empire number seven and 28, Star Wars Boba Fett number one and two, uh, Star Wars Boba Fett twin engine, like, everything else is like, okay. Yeah, we, it was filler I, beyond that. Yeah. I don't think I read the right one. I don't think my I didn't, issue. I had just all skimmed those. some of that stuff, but I'm like the the main story's over. This stuff is pointless. Right. Once but, uh, once the art changes from the photorealist or the painting realistic sort of thing. Yeah. Like everything else seems very just like, generic. Oh, here's some other Boba Fett stories that don't really fit with anything. So you, let's let's bump it in here to make a thirty five dollar graphic novel right. instead of a twenty dollar graphic novel. Right. But uh, you kind of summed it up earlier. It was a generic. Dark Horse Star Wars story with with Boba Fett with Boba Fett which yep. which again that's fine which fine which is fine but it's it does it seems a little bait and switchy right like it reminds me a lot of when we read the diaries of uh, Obi Wan like oh or the journal mm-hmm. of Obi Wan like cool story about Obi Wan mm-hmm. what's the thing like oh only half was Obi Wan the other half was about Yoda just because we had nowhere right. else to put it right apparently that's yeah. that's the theme with Star Wars and graphic novels if it's a sub story like eh throw it in some of it will be accurate on what we're advertising the rest right. it is what it is right so but um i did like how they started this off with young boba uh Django's training him and as their training kind of completes they're out flying and count dooku hires him to assassinate some guy in a mask you don't know who it is until they get up close and personal and it's a clone uh, of Django, one of the clone troopers, and he basically says, "I, I am more than this. I don't want to be a soldier, so I'm doing this." So Django kills him, pretty much. And but they, there's no pretty much. He does. Yeah, he, like Boba wounds him. Yeah, Bo- Boba snipes him and wounds him. Django finishes him off, 
But Django finds out that the clone had a wife and child and lets them live. Uh, what's the name? Um, Connor. Connor Freeman. Freeman, yep. Or Connor Freeman because yep. he's free from he's the a, Empire. Right. Yeah, I assume that they were, they were going for. Yeah, I like the part when Django killed his clone and the clone's like, I I couldn't do this. I couldn't kill myself. And Django's like, yeah, we're we're different. Bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I know you're the clone and I'm not is because right. I can do this and you can't. Right. But, um, you know, I liked it at that um, Django was telling Bobo, I'll, I'll explain what happened and everything like that. We'll talk about this later. And then it cuts to Mace Windu cutting off Django's head. They so never they never really got to. Time. Yeah, they didn't get a chance to talk about that. So Boba didn't know that he had a quote unquote brother. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Yeah. Or nephew. Because Boba is a clone. Um, However you yeah. want to look at that. Whatever. It would be it would be his son from a certain point of view. I guess so. It would be Boba's yeah. son because it is, cause Connor is the son of a clone of Django. And, and Boba is a clone of Django. Right. Yeah. So, so it would be his... Nephew, son, brother? It's a mess is what it is. <laughs> uh, but within that story too, I did like how Django was training Boba Fett. Like, hey... You know, all right, go grab a tooth from that giant monster. Yeah. Well, I was terrified. Well, at least now you know that's the most terrifying thing in the universe. Right. So everything else you should be fine for the rest of your life because that's the ultimate fear. Right. And that's where he starts his collection of, okay, he always wants a trophy of a tooth of a, of a monster. Right. Which we see later on when the in the Boba Fett is dead storyline where, oh, it's the monster politician or whatever. That it was yeah, like, it's just a tiny little tooth. Right. It was just like, hey, just because it's. The, the two, size of the two doesn't matter. It's the monster that it represents. Right. So, but once they're older, um, that uh, Connor Freeman basically has a big debt and there's bounties on him and Boba Fett learns about him. Also, he's still pretty awesome, especially when he's passed, half passed out at a bar and someone's like calling for him and he's just, hey, bartender, can I borrow your gun? And just no look, shoots yeah, over his shoulder, shoulder and kills the guy. Like, yeah. That's like, pretty awesome. Okay, there's a bit of Django there. You can see that. It's not all nurture. Some of it's nature. Right. But uh, Boba Fett goes to find out what this kid's about because, uh, oh, I think Django set up a- uh, a, a trust fund, A trust basically. fund for yeah. the kid and that Boba didn't know about. And Boba's like, okay, why did Django fund this kid and stuff like that? And they find meat and, you know, a lot of stuff happens through that. But- um, it ends up with uh, I'm going to jump forward just a little bit. Um, Go for it. And <laughs> the uh, Connor finds out about Boba's uh, wife and kid. And then the person that was hired to kill Boba, because this is in the second act. Of yes, Boba Fett is dead. The person that hired to kill Boba wanted to kill Boba and everyone that he'd ever loved, his family, his friends, right. everybody. Yep. And Connor ends up protecting the family along with the family. The Family really didn't need him there, I don't think. I mean, sometimes he'd Some, be a bullet sponge. Right, pretty much. But uh, uh, I think that Boba's daughter and the uh, – what was her name? Sin. Sintas. Sin. I think he called her Sin. Yeah. It, yeah, her, okay. The nickname was Sin because uh, in the very opening issue, it was like Sin, Bo. Yeah. Like, yep. That So uh, they had it all under control pretty much. But uh, I – thought they did a really good job with this whole story arc. The art was all fitting. It was just really good. The only issue I had was when they, when it revealed how Boba hid his death. Oh, I yeah. didn't fully get it. Like, okay, so there's this other bounty that Boba was after. He, he was getting trapped by the bounty hunters trying to kill him. So mm -hmm. he killed the bounty. 
put him in his armor. It ended up being a clone. In remote fly, flying it up. But like, well, why is the helmet going to withstand rear blaster bolts? But, oh, one random shot, they can destroy the face? Because that's what oh, they can right, yeah. Like, oh, he had a hole in his face. Well, but his armor, we never see that later. It, it, there's a little bit of continuity yeah. there. Oh, like, definitely. What? Definitely. What is going on with this? They yeah. turn the blaster power up to high. Well, but even still, he puts the helmet back on later, and it's fine. Like it, Yeah, there's no blaster. It's a different helmet. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I got nothing. I was confused, too, because I thought they were down, like, a hole, right. and they, like, firebomb the hole, but he's fine from that. Well, because he said he was fine from that because the, I'm going to guess, because later on we say, oh, the Mandalorian armor, fire he's resistant. Heat resistant, yeah. Heat resistant. So he survived that. They didn't know that. Okay. Then he did the body swap. And then remoted the dead body in the Boba Fett costume out, and they shot him out of the air. Okay, for some reason I thought he shot up, like, while the fire blast was happening. So I thought that he was still getting singed because the armor was on someone else. But there must have been just a few seconds difference. Yeah. Okay. It was... That was the part I struggled Timing. with the most. I was like, this yeah. is very weird. What is going on with this? Yeah, it was almost like they threw that part of the story in there just... Just to get Boba Fett off planet and didn't know what else to do with him. And to keep his identity hidden of like, oh, he's not actually right. dead. Right. But it felt like to me they, that whole story was just to get him off planet so the um, so the people who wanted him and his family dead could go after his family. But, and that was like the only thing they could come up with. Type. That's the way it felt to me. That no, part yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that panel and you're right, Laura. That seems extra rare where he's changing the body. He shoots the face. It looks like. You see flamethrower, and then you see the Boba Fett jetpack flying out. He's getting shot by bounty. He's like, "Oh, well, then his body is singed and like dead." But yeah, it, it's it's a little it's awful, but it's con- it's Star Wars continuity. <laughs> right. It's not always the most accurate thing, right? Uh, and admittedly, that storyline is where I ran out of time. I stopped reading it. So, what else happened after that that is worth <laughs> talking about, guys? <laughs> um, the hold on, let me. See. Get forward. Because <laughs> for me, I probably I ran out of time. The probably ran out of motivation because I didn't like the art. I was like, "Oh, this is um, very much generic Star it, Wars." Yeah, it was art. very generic stuff. One of the so they're all kind of different stories from what I could tell. But the one that I kind of liked was um, a an Imperial Moth. I don't know if it was a Grand Moth or anything like that. Hired him to basically destroy a crashed Star Destroyer. Uh, to retrieve one item and destroy everything. Um, paid him half up front. Boba Fett goes in and actually destroys two TIE Fighters. And I think it was one of those things where it was to cover the Moff's tracks. Like he may have made a mistake or something like that. Um, Boba Fett battles some droids that are in there, some Minoc, and retrieves a, um, a hologram for the guy and destroys the Star Destroyer on his way out. Um, at first I thought it was Tarkin, but it, Boba Fett ends up killing the guy because he's so like, oh, I have – no, I don't think so. He's like, oh, I don't have any more money. So Boba Fett kills him for not paying the second <laughs> half of the fee. The bounty was due. Right. But it was – the hologram was the woman that this moth loved and wanted to see her pretty much one last time, I guess, before Boba Fett kills him. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. But that it's one was like pretty good. almost like murder by cop, murder yeah. by mercenary. <laughs> uh, that one was pretty good. Um, the rest of it was meh. 
And I didn't even finish some of it, to be perfectly honest, because I'm like, this is not even tying into the main story arc. I don't care. Well, and when I picked you this know. book last week, I didn't realize, like, man, there's a lot here. Yeah, there's a lot of filler. Just so, junk. There, garbage. There, well, just there's a lot to read. I mean, when I, cause when I first looked at the back, I was like, oh, both at Blood Ties 1 through 4, both at Blood Ties, both as Dead 1 through 4, 8 issues. That's not bad. Yeah. And then I, re- I realized, oh... There's like four more issues four more of issues stuff that, in there. I thought they'd be like, oh, parts of here, parts of that. Like sometimes yeah. they do like part of Free Comic Book Day issue. It's only like right. three pages, not a whole lot. Right. But these are like four some more of issues. The Dark Horse there. stuff. They had um, like when they were doing their Star Wars run, it, they would collect issues like nine, twelve, thirty-two because those story arcs went together. Right. You know, so I, it's all over the place. Yeah. I, I like how we're almost complaining that there's too much content in here. I guess it's, it's, too, it's too much, much bad. Content. Well, I, well, well I say it's bad, just non, yeah, non connected, non not yeah. useful. Right. Yeah. The story we wanted to read was the blood tie story, not which all that good. extra uh, filler. I really enjoyed the blood that tie. That first thing. issue, which had nothing to do with blood ties, it set, set up, the though. stage yeah. with with mm-hmm. the characters. That would have been like if you would have just had blood ties without that, you wouldn't have known or cared who the girl was. I think yeah. we still would have gotten by without it. Oh, but I think it so too. It definitely helped it, though. It added that much more to the story yeah. versus the ending stuff. It didn't. It was just didn't like, do anything. Oh, here's more of Boba Fett because we right because we, we have it and we in their self-contained stories. They don't really fit anything else. So here, right, throw it in here. Yeah, they couldn't have just done. Hey, here's a Boba Fett random story arc uh, book. You know. Yeah, they could have committed Adventures of Boba Fett and been right, done. Right, then they would have had two mm. trades to put out instead of just the one. Right. So but it is what it is. Yeah. The, uh, that's the, the world we live in has all these together. So right. That's it. So with that, uh, let's judge the book <laughs> as a whole. Uh, one to five, one being awful, five being great. How would you guys rate this book? The book as a whole, not just the Blood Tie story. Yeah. I would go a three out of five just for because the other extra crap that was in there. If we're talking about Blood Ties by itself, I would go with a four. Okay. Laura? Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I felt like it was average with everything together. Like, they're all okay stories, but mm-hmm. like you said, you weren't... Unless you're like a really big fan of everything Boba, you're probably not interested in those other stories because they weren't the Blood Ties arc. So, yeah, yep. and I think I would do the same. Uh, the main story, it's worth getting for oh, the main definitely. story itself. It was awesome. Um, but it's not. Let me put it this way: it's worth reading for all the for the main story. Mm-hmm. It the price is not worth it just for the main story. The no. price of being thirty five dollars if you want just the blood ties, it's not worth the thirty five dollars. Right on that aspect, I would probably say get on eBay and see if you can't find pre. Marvel getting them and seeing if you can't pick up the trades right. for like ten bucks a piece. So I mean, yeah, I'm but, kind of impressed I mean, that it's thirty five for that because that seems like thirty thick, or twenty five. Yeah. I mean, for yeah, keep in mind Marvel tends to overprice things, so it is a standard Marvel pricing where there is a lot of books here. So for thirty five is unheard of. Um, so because of that though, it being thirty five and the extra filler at the end, I would give it a three out of five also, but. If you're a fan of Boba Fett at all, if you're a fan of Boba Fett, definitely get, I would say. Um, it's not for all Star Wars fans. It's a fan of if you love Boba Fett. Right. Is what I would go um, with this. It's slated at 337 pages. Uh, 321 of those 337 are story arcs. Okay. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of content there for your 35 bucks. That's almost just over a buck a pay or right. buck, a buck a pay or whatever. Yeah. 
The math is there. The math is there. My mind shut off there. Yep. Yeah. It's past eight o'clock. You're done doing down. Yeah. Doing uh, Scott Steiner math. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, I, I enjoy it. If you're a kind of like the Transformers book that Adrian made us read, it's great for Transformers fans. Yeah. This is great for Boba Fett fans. Right. If you're just a casual fan and you want to read Star Wars, it's good. It's not great. Like, right. oh, the main, the initial stuff is so, I think part of the problem is the initial stuff is so good. And then yeah. it kind of like, it does not stick the landing at the end. Yeah. Set the bar. A buck every 10 pages. But there you go. So That's 10 cents a page. trying to say. <laughs> 10 cents a page. Ever. Roughly. Then. Ballparking. Yeah. Rounding. Plus taxes. But it's. Neither here nor there. So yeah, that is our review of Star Wars Boba Fett Blood Ties. And for next week, Jared, we are reading. Spawn Origins. Volume. Volume one. There you go. I mean, <laughs> How many volumes are there? Uh, there's a bunch. There's a whole bunch. I mean, it's been going on for close to 30 years now, so. Oh, how, how has he been origining well, well, for well, this long? Well, it's just the Spawn itself has been going on for 30 years. And the Spawn Origins, there's issues one through six, I believe. Okay. So, so yeah, that's what we'll be reading next week is Spawn Origins. Uh, with that, let's move to the segment that Jared always forgets oh, about. Crap. And that oh, is, Laura forgot too. And that is Hero of the Week, be it comic book or others. I'll buy you both a little bit of time. I'll go first. And I want to say our local residential UPS driver is my hero of the week. Uh, we had a couple packages delivered today, uh, one by USPS, one by uh, UPS. The USPS person, they, it was a small little package that I saw on the camera. They just put it on the front porch and just like slid it halfway to the door. Like, uh, they, they did the job. They didn't do full on. But then I looked when the UPS guy delivered stuff, he put the bigger, heavier package on our chair that's on the front porch, plus he picked up the USPS package to put it with the UPS so it's all together. Like, oh, he didn't have to do that at all. But, like, that's a cool dude. Like, he he's not an awful person. That's so awesome. He, he did a good job. It's and nice I don't, to see. I don't know our regular, if we even have a regular UPS driver in our neighborhood or not. But, like, good on him. I wish I, I wish we did have a regular so I can say thank you for not being awful and going a little bit above and beyond the, our regular postal worker did that day, did today. So I want to say our UPS driver was our is my hero of the week just to be random i wish that they could figure out that we got that box made special to hold extra packages but even when i leave the door open they can't figure out to put packages in it yeah but i need to label it yeah but i'll still take what i can get yeah I mean, at least it's getting at least it wasn't delivered out in the rain without any plastic wrap but we've had that happen before so yeah which is why we built the other box right yeah so yeah that is my hero of the week uh whoever wants to go <laughs> next on their hero of the week <laughs> I think I'm going to preemptively ask, I'm going to ask you, Alex, to be my hero of the week Uh because you need to edit the podcast for my meltdown earlier. (laughs) It's just been a week for that. So folks, please, please hope that Alex fixed it so I don't sound like a a raving maniac. (laughs) Any more than usual, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor all my coworkers who are listening to because they're getting used to me like freaking out lately. (laughs) It's not just at work, people. (laughs) <laughs> All right, and Jared, we bought you as much time as we could. Who was your Hero of the Week, comic book or otherwise? I'm going to go with Tom Taylor because when I started reading this Boba Fett book, I had no idea it was Tom Taylor until you had mentioned it. And it's like, oh, that's why I'm enjoying it. That makes sense now. So it, Tom Tra- Taylor strikes again with a good story. He, he snuck one in with Boba Fett. Yep. We'll, go, we'll put it that way. Uh, so with that, we'll say thank you everyone for listening and – We'll be back next time with Jared. What book again for next week? Spawn Origins, Volume 1. See, I knew that the third time you'd get it. So there we go. So thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll see you all next time. (laughs) 